Well, today we want to continue the, the, the message series, and, and today we're going to talk about the cloud. And so, in the Old Testament, we hear about this, this cloud, and it's a very interesting cloud that we hear about, because not only is it just a cloud, the Bible says, and we're going to get into some of the verses in just a second, but the Bible says that in the daytime, it was a cloud, and at night, it was a fire. And so I don't know exactly what that looks like, but in my imagination, I imagine a big cloud that has fire inside of it, right? And so in the daytime, it provides shade. In the nighttime, it provides warmth and protection. And if you're in the wilderness, you need something for day and night. And so, so today, let's, let's get into that because the cloud does a couple of things. The cloud is going to guide Israel. It's going to protect Israel, and it's going to empower Israel. And we're going to get into that. So first verse is going to be Exodus chapter 13. Verses 20 through 20, uh, 21 through 23, and the Bible says this. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So it guided them. There's another uh, passage that says, wherever the cloud would go sit, that's where people would go. That's where the Israelites would go and set up camp. And they knew it was time to leave camp because a cloud would lift and it would move and it would sit down somewhere else. And it guided them on their journey through the wilderness. So I think that's pretty cool. But then it also protected them. So in Exodus 14, the next chapter over, verse 20, it says, um, this is a story. We read this a couple weeks ago, how the Egyptians were chasing after the Israelites to kill them. And it says that the cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned into fire and light, uh, lighting up the sky. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. So we got this cool dynamic. One, the cloud guides the Israelites through the wilderness. A lot of us are in a place of wilderness in our life. We find ourselves in a place where we're, we're stuck in this weird place of not understanding what's going on, maybe, or not having clear direction, or maybe stuck in a place of, of inner wilderness. You know, we're, we're struggling with some stuff in our life, and so it's important that we have somebody that guides us, and so the cloud guided them. The cloud protected them. The Bible says that when the Egyptians were chasing after them, the cloud stood between the Egyptians and the Israelites and then lit up in fire, and obviously in those days, they weren't about to go around that, right? If there's a big fire, you're, you're not going to go touch that. And so, um, so they stayed away from that. But then later on in the story, see, the story of Exodus doesn't end in Exodus. It would be interesting if it did, but there's this cool aspect of the Bible in, is that from Genesis to, Genesis to Revelation, it's really one big story. And, and I really like that. And, and so whenever you notice something, the book of Exodus, the story of Exodus doesn't end in Exodus. If you study your Bible, then you'll know that, that really the exodus out of Egypt doesn't end until they get to what God called the promised land. So there was a land, there was a place that God had promised the Israelites that they could live in, the place where they could be free, a place where they could be provided for, and God had to take them from Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. Now, the journey from Egypt to the promised land took them 40 years. It shouldn't have taken them that long. It should have taken about um, two weeks but instead, it took them 40 years because they just kept complaining against God. And God said, listen, if you're going to keep complaining, if you're going to keep whining, if you're going to keep disobeying me, then I will just leave you in the wilderness until we weed out the complaining. Right? 
How many of us have ever found our... Don't raise your hand because it's not going to be a good thing to raise your hand on. How many of us have ever found ourselves in a wilderness and we say, God, I want out of this wilderness and you just never seem to get out of the wilderness? There's a good chance that he's leaving you in the wilderness, not because he's mad at you, but because he needs to work some stuff out of you, right? Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that God does that to. But he did that to the Israelites. They were stuck in the wilderness. But the story doesn't really end until they get to the promised land. And that doesn't happen until the book of Joshua. Now we're going to see a transition here. And and I know I I seem like I'm, I'm very sporadic on these thoughts here. But I promise they're coming together. So cloud by day, fire by night. But then all of a sudden, one day, the cloud disappears. The fire goes out. And they don't need it anymore. And so in those days, what they did is they, they had built this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And how many of you have ever seen Indiana Jones and, and what is it, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, okay. So most of us understand the Bible now, right? Because we've watched Indiana Jones, like we get it. And there was this Ark, there was this Ark, and that Ark represented the Spirit of God. The ark represented a place, a, 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 I don't even know what you call it, like an icon. It was a place that, that the Spirit of God rested. And so, so the cloud and the fire represented the presence of God. It represented the Spirit of God. But then that same, um, that, that same cloud, that same fire also rested on the ark. And so there was a transition that was made with Israel. They went from following a cloud, they went from following a fire, to all of a sudden now the ark was with them wherever they went. And now the ark didn't just guide them, it didn't just protect them, but now that same spirit empowered them and walked with them. So the Bible says if you read through the book of Joshua, you read through Judges, you read into the books of Samuel, you'll notice something, that every time Israel went to war, They did something unique to them. They took the ark with them. They carried that ark with them because it represented the power and the presence of God. And so the ark went with them wherever they went. And so that's really cool. I'm going to read a a quick little story of what that does for them. And I I think it's really neat. In Joshua chapter 3, so Moses is dead. The cloud is gone. The fire is gone. And now all they have left is the ark. Joshua, who was Moses' right-hand man, is now leading the charge. He's leading all of Israel, and they've come to a river. And so between the wilderness and the promised land is the River Jordan. And and the Bible's going to tell us here that the river was overflowing its banks. Now, a river is not necessarily an obstacle for one or two people, but whenever you have uh, hundreds of thousands of people and animals and women and children, and elderly, and, you know, if you've got all of that, if you've got a couple of fit, you know, men and women that can just swim across the river, that's not a big deal. But when you've got all of this, then a river that's overflowing its banks becomes an obstacle. So here's what the Bible says in verse 14 of Joshua 3. So the people left their camp across the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. So the Ark goes first. It was, uh, it was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Pretty cool story. So imagine with me, if you could, 
These priests are holding the ark. They've got poles. They're holding the ark and they walk. And as soon as their feet get in the water, the Bible says that the, the river begins to back up all the way up to a city called Adam. And the river just begins to back up almost like an invisible wall has stopped it. And the whole rest of the river flows onto the Dead Sea. And these guys just stand in the middle of the river, empowered by the presence of God that they're carrying on their shoulders. And a miracle happens and all of Israel crosses. That's a pretty cool story. So now one of the things we notice is this presence of God, the spirit of God, not only guides Israel, he protects Israel. And now he is empowering Israel to do what God has asked them to do. So what does that have to do with us? We don't have a cloud, we don't have a fire, and we don't have an ark, right? Like, we don't have any of those things, so what do we have? What do we have? Well, if we fast forward now into the Easter portion of the message, if we fast forward into the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 2 uses an odd word, and Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, in the cloud and in the sea... All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. Isn't that an interesting term? I can understand being baptized into the sea because that makes sense. It's water and you baptize and baptize um, literally means to dunk or immerse. You can get dunked or immersed in the sea. But I don't know if you've ever been in a cloud before, but it's very difficult to be dunked in a cloud, right? When I was a little kid, we, we went on a hike when we lived in Costa Rica and we went on this hike up this mountain. And I remember as we hiked up the mountain, you could see from ground level, you could see the clouds had moved in and they were flying low and they were on this mountain. And as you climbed up, you climbed up into the cloud. It was really cool, but it's basically just being in fog, right? Like it's, it really wasn't all that cool. It's kind of neat, but it wasn't that cool. Um, but there was no dunking in it. Like I didn't get up there and like, <gasps> couldn't breathe. You could breathe just fine. Right. So, so it's, it's an interesting thought. And so, so I, I find that very interesting. And then if I look in Matthew chapter three, I see the word baptize again. And, and this is where it all begins to tie together for me because there's a guy in Matthew three named John, John the Baptist. Um, you, you may have heard of him before he was Jesus' cousin. And, and here's what John says. John says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there's a tie back to that fire. There's a tie back to that baptism in the cloud and baptism in the Spirit. And then if we fast forward a little more into the New, uh, more into the New Testament, the book of Acts, we continue this Easter story. So, so 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, Peter gets up and he's one of Jesus' disciples. He preaches a message. And here's what Peter says. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 38 says, each of you must repent of your sins. Uh, and turn to God, be baptized, talking about in water, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then verse, the, the very end of that uh, says, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's something really cool to me that I feel like is happening here. In the Old Testament, so everything that we see in the Old Testament is what we call a shadow of something in the New Testament, Right? So Jesus is the reality in the New Testament. He died on the cross for our sins. What's the shadow of that? The shadow of that is the blood on the doorpost that we talked about. You remember on Easter Sunday, I had the big doorpost up here, and we painted the blood on the doorpost. That is a shadow. It, it, it's reflecting what Jesus is going to do in the future. 
The water that they pass through is a shadow of water baptism and a shadow of repentance and and that whole mind shift that happens that's going to happen in the New Testament. But the cloud and the fire is also a shadow of something that's going to happen in the New Testament, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit living and breathing and moving inside of us. And so I think it's a really cool thing when we can tie the Old Testament to the New Testament. Whenever I read my Bible, we just, in one of my small groups that I was in, we had this whole discussion on Bible reading. And I told them one of the things I really love about reading the Bible is I love to read the Old Testament and the New Testament within the same reading. Because it helps me to tie the whole book together. We weren't just given the Old Testament. We weren't just given the New Testament. Although there are some groups that want to deny one or the other, we are given the whole book. And so it's really cool to see the whole story of God portrayed all the way through. And so we're talking about this Holy Spirit. And here's a cool thing. The Bible says, and I'm going to go through this quickly, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does three pretty neat things. Guess what the Holy Spirit does for us? In John 14 through 16, all three of those chapters, it goes on to talk about how he guides us. The Bible calls him, Jesus speaking, calls him a paraclete. It's a, it was a, um, a law term. In other words, he's the one like a counselor that stands beside you and goes with you to court and defends you and, and leads you and guides you, right? Uh, in, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says he protects us, the Holy Spirit protects us even from our own desires, not just from outside forces. But the Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, in Galatians 5, and you live in the Spirit, then, then you're not going to fall to your own desires. So not only does He guide us, He protects us. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, the Bible says the Holy Spirit empowers us. So there's some things in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to just read verse 10 for you. And, and here's what we're going to do. There are many aspects of what the Holy Spirit can do in our life. And so today I want to take one aspect, and that's all we're going to talk about today is one aspect, and we're going to hone in on that and see how that works, because I feel like it's one of those aspects that's applicable to our life, all of our lives today, okay? So so here's what 1 Corinthians 12 says in verse 10. He gives one person the power, right? We talk about he empowers us, the power to perform miracles, and another person the the ability um, or power to prophesy. He gives some, and this is the main one, you can highlight this one, he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And still another person is given the ability to speak in other languages, while another person is given the ability to interpret what was said. So here's what I want to hone in on today. I want to hone in on that one sentence that says he gives someone else the ability to discern whether our message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Everybody say discern. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say discern. That way they know you're paying attention, okay? Now look at your other neighbor who's a little asleep and nudge him for a second and say he's almost done. Okay. And I'm going to discern right now that you lied. You listened to the wrong spirit. There's this, there's this thing that some people call it the gift of discernment. We're just going to call it discernment today because I believe the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to discern Right? The ability to discern. Now, now some people say uh, that you don't need the Holy Spirit to discern. All you need is to be a mother. Right? Um, and that's probably true. Because I feel like moms can discern a lot of truth. Like, my kids come in sometimes, and, and Gabriel will come in, and he'll tell us how he did all of his homework. And, and my wife has the discernment to look on that app, and she can see if he did his homework or not. And she says, I am discerning the truth. And it is not in you. You know, like, like she gets it. She understands. But for the rest of us that aren't mothers, we need the Holy Spirit to help us discern. And, and so what does the word discern mean? 
In the Greek, the word discern means to judge between two things that appear to be the same. This I really like. This is the nerd in me coming out, right? Like I really like the details of this. Because I'm judging between two things that appear to be the same. We live in a world of counterfeit. We live in a world where there are many things that look good, but they may not be God. And it looks like something I want to participate in. It it sounds like something that's really, really good, but it may not be God in that instance for me. It may not be God Period, And I need to have the ability to discern, to judge between what is good and what is God. I need to be able to judge the truth when both sides look right. I need to be able to have that ability. And in John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, the Bible says this, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if, they, if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Now, I don't believe I'm a false prophet. No prophet ever believes they're a false prophet, right? Like, like you don't see false prophets out there going, I'm a false prophet, I'm a false teacher, right? Um, I don't believe I'm a false teacher, but still, I tell you guys all the time, you take what I'm preaching and you go home and you make sure what I'm preaching is right. Like, make sure you're studying too. Don't just take everything I say at face value because what if I mess up? Like, like we are all in this together. And, and so it's important. John, uh, John tells us this. He says, you've got to have the ability to discern whether something is from God or not. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is God. So we were going to the beach a few weeks back for spring break. And, um, and when we're going to the beach, we stopped at, at Bucky's, of course, right? Like, why wouldn't you? And it was out of the way, but we went to Bucky's. And so, um, so while we're at Bucky's, we're getting gas or whatever. And my parents are following us to the beach. And so, um, we get in the car and we leave Bucky's and we go get on the interstate. And, um, the way we were going, we were going to have to go all the way down to 65 and go south. But where we are is we're at Bucky's. And so, um, we're at I-20. And so if, if you don't know this, I'm, I'm giving you a, a geography lesson. So I-20 goes east and west. You can go west towards Birmingham or east towards Atlanta. And so we're getting in the car and we all leave. And so we're driving along. And, and as we're driving, my dad calls me on the phone. And I answer the phone. He says, where are you going? I said, what do you mean where am I going? I'm going to the beach. I'm going to the same place you're going. Like we're going together. We're caravanning, you know. And so, so I says, I'm going to the beach. He says, why are you going to Atlanta? I said, I'm not going to Atlanta. I'm going west. I'm going towards Birmingham. And he says, no, you're not. I said, Dad, I see a sign right now. I'm passing a sign, and it says I-20 West. He said, no, you don't. I said, you don't know what you're talking about, old man. And he said, son, I am right behind you. I can tell we're not going, we're going to Atlanta. We're not going to Birmingham. I'm right behind you. And I looked in my rearview mirror. I said, Dad, there is a little red car behind me, and you drive a silver truck. And he goes, I'm following the wrong person. My dad got behind a car that looked like mine. But it wasn't mine. And he followed that car. And had he not called me, he would have followed that car all the way to Atlanta. Sometimes just because we see something that looks good doesn't mean it's God. 
And you need to be careful who you follow because they're going to lead you down the wrong path. So just because it looks good doesn't mean it's God. And, and, and the Bible tells us that. Listen, I, I was just talking to my dad and I was talking to Pastor Nathan. And I said, listen, I, here's some ideas I've got coming up for a sermon series that I feel like God is speaking to me. And I said, one of the sermon series I feel like God is speaking to me about is, is this idea of, uh, of the deception of the enemy, the idea of spiritual warfare, because I believe that, that the devil is real. If I believe God is real, I have to believe the devil is real. And, and I believe that, that he is on the attack, right? The Bible says that he, he is like a roaring lion seeking those who he can devour. And, and I said, I really want to talk to our people. I want us all to study together this idea of spiritual warfare. And, and in doing so, I started thinking, listen, this is exactly... What's happening to our world and to us today? Because Satan is deceptive at his core. He can't help but be deceptive. Jesus said this in in John 8. He said he's the father of lies. Lying is his native tongue. In other words, everything that comes out of his mouth is a complete fabrication and lie. In In 2 Corinthians 11, the Bible says that he will appear as an angel of light. In other words... He's Satan. He's a devil. He is the enemy, but he wants to show up in our lives as an angel of light. Why? Because he wants to deceive us. He wants to deceive us. The Bible says in Genesis 3 that he will twist the word of God. In 2 Corinthians 2, it says that he will use fake signs and wonders. And and then in 2 Peter 2, it says that he will send out false teachers into the world to deceive us. It's important for us to understand that there's an enemy in the world that wants to deceive us. Listen, Satan is not going to come to you with, you know, red horns and a, and a tail and a pitchfork. That would be obvious and nobody would fall for it. Right? That would be obvious and nobody would fall for it. Listen, you're not going to have an affair on your spouse because some person just walks up to you and says, Hey, let's go have an affair. It doesn't work. I've never had an affair, but in my brain, I don't think it works that way. I'm pretty sure it starts with just a little slight flirtation. In my brain, I feel like it probably starts with an email or a text message, right? It's always going to start little and it's always going to be deceptive. And you never think it's real until it happens. Any sin that approaches you is never going to come out and be obvious. It's always going to be deceptive. It's always going to be a lure. In Acts chapter 16, just a quick story. I hope I have time for this one. I like this one. I'm going to throw it in. Okay, Acts 16. Let me just give you a quick example from the scriptures. So, um, so Paul is preaching, and he's in this city, and he's t- trying to tell people about Christ. He's trying to start a church. He's trying to do his thing. And here's what the Bible says in verse 16. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now listen, is she shouting a lie? No, she's shouting the truth. She's saying these men are telling you the truth. These men are telling you about the most high God. Here's the problem is the spirit inside of her was not a spirit from God. It was the spirit of the devil. The spirit inside of her is doing something that's trying to distract from what Paul is trying to do. Even though she's shouting the truth, she's creating a ruckus and she's disrupting everything that Paul is trying to do. And so Paul has to discern here by the Holy Spirit, is what she's doing good or is it God? Because if it's not God, 
she needs to shut up, right? And so, Ace, you're not allowed to say that word. And so the Bible says this. This went on day after day after day until Paul got so exasperated, I love that, that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Isn't that cool? I like it. And so, so it shows you that what she was saying was good, what she was saying was true, but what she was doing was not God. It was not God. So, the Bible says he gives us the gift of discernment. How does that work? How does that work? What can I really be looking for in the gift of discernment? I'm going to give you four ways that the Holy Spirit helps us to discern truth from a lie. Four ways that the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to look at two things that look exactly the same and determine which one of these is God for our lives. Number one is he reminds us. John 14, and we're going to hit John 14 and 16 a lot, so just be ready for that. John 14, 26 says, But when the Father sends an advocate, talking about the Holy Spirit, oh, it says that, it sends an advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. He will teach you and he will remind you. So the first one is he reminds us. Now, here's the thing about being reminded. How does being reminded work? Right? What, what can I remind you of? It's, it's not a trick question. Just think about it. You don't have to shout it out. Um, I can only remind you of something that you already knew. Otherwise, I'm teaching, teaching you something, right? So, so whenever, whenever um, my family or my wife's family gets together and my mother-in-law is here so she can uh, attest that this is true. When, my, when, my, when I first got married, my, my wife, uh, her family didn't have TVs in their home. They didn't believe in televisions and so, what? Why are you laughing? I'm not even telling anything funny yet. And so they didn't believe in televisions. And so we would go to their house, and I would be like, all right, what are we going to do? Because a lot of times I'm, I'm a little bit active. Um, some people call it ADD. And so um, I want to do something. And so I'm like, what are we going to do tonight? You know, like we're going to watch a game. We're going to watch a movie. What are we going to do? And they're like, no, no, no. We're going to sit in the living room. And I'm like, in front of the TV? I'm like, no, we don't have a TV. We're going to sit in the living room. We're going to look at each other. And we're going to tell stories. I was like, okay, right on, let's do that. So we sit in the living room, and we stay up until, like, midnight. And we're just all sitting around. I know some of you are bored already. And we're just sitting around in a room, and we're just telling stories. And we're having a good time. This is great. And then the next year at Christmas, we go back. And I'm like, what are we doing tonight? We're going to sit in the living room. I'm like, we did that last year. And then we're going to tell stories. And guess what? We told the same stories that we told last year. And the next year, guess what happened? We sat in the living room, and we told the same stories we've been telling for three years. Twenty years have gone by now, and I know all of their stories. But we tell them every year, don't we? I tell them too. And so now they're my stories. And so, so the idea is this. I can, only, I can only remind you of something that you already know. And so what do they do? They tell stories. It's really good because they're reminding themselves of events that happened in the past. They're reminding themselves of all the good things that have gone on. They're reminding themselves of the different things maybe God has done or the funny things that have happened. And it's a constant reminder. So every year, they get reminded of the same stories over and over. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of stuff, but He can't remind you of something that you don't already know. So what do I need to do? I need to get into God's Word. 
I need to put his word in me. Psalm uh, 119.11 says, I hide my word. I hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I want to take God's word. I want to hide it in my heart. I want to treasure it up. I want to put it in there. Why? Because there's going to come a day when I'm going to be in a situation and I can't tell between right and wrong. I can't tell between light and dark. I can't tell between good and God. And I need to know what God's word says. And that's where the Holy Spirit is going to remind me of those things that I read. And some of you may say, yeah, but I don't understand it all and I just don't get it. Listen, I promise you, just keep reading. Just keep reading. And I, I tell people this all the time. If you have a question, call me, text me. I'll help you, I'll help you figure it out. We'll do what we got to do to help you figure it out. But keep reading because there's going to come a point. There's been times in my life whenever I didn't know what to do and I'm facing a situation and I need discernment. I need to know what God's word says. And I'm reminded of a verse that maybe I didn't quite understand when I read it. But now all of a sudden it makes sense. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is drawing from what's already inside of me and reminding me of those things that I need to know. So the first way he helps us discern is by reminding us. The second way he helps us discern is through the, uh, he convicts us. He convicts us. John 16, 8 says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. To convict means to expose something. And, and, and listen, have you ever heard the term or maybe you've used the term, I just feel convicted you ever, you ever had that term before? Yeah, I just feel convicted about this. I, can, I feel convicted about that. In, in other words, or, or maybe, maybe you even say it in, in a positive way, that this is just one of my convictions. I feel very strong about this, right? And so we have these convictions. And, and I know a lot of times I teach you, hey, we, don't, we live by faith, not by feelings. I, we understand that. But, but God's big enough that he can operate even in our feelings, and there are going to be times in your life when you're going to be faced with, with what, what are we talking about? You're going to be faced with right or wrong, truth or lie, right? God or good. What, what is it that I'm trying to figure this out? And sometimes it's just a feeling that you get. There's sometimes you walk into a situation or you listen to something or someone's talking to you and you're just like, that just doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. There's something about what they're saying or there's something about what they're doing or there's something about what I'm watching or, or there's something about this, this relationship that just doesn't seem right to me and I can't quite put my finger on it, but I can just tell you something seems a little off. You need to listen to that feeling because a lot of times what that is is that's the Holy Spirit giving you discernment to try to judge between two things that seem the same. There's been plenty of times when, when I've gone through and I've, I've listened to some stuff or I've, 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 I've heard sermons or, and, and, and I'll listen to what someone says and I'm just like, I like what they said up until this point and that point doesn't seem right to me. Something seems a little off. We've had people in, in, in our years of the ministry, we've had plenty of people that have come up to us and, and, uh, and very quickly want to just you know, jump into our life and, and have this big relationship with us. And there's times when Perry and I both said, something, something doesn't seem right with this. And it turns out we were, it was the Holy Spirit giving us discernment. that Hey, something's off with this situation. And so I want you to learn to listen to that feeling. So first of all, we were reminded of what we've already learned, what God has already taught us. Second of all, we're convicted. And then third is he guides. So he reminds, he convicts, and he guides. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Speaking all truth means um, all the truth. The Bible says is another translation, all the truth, not just all truth. Um, in, in other words, not just all truth, because everybody's got a truth, right? Everybody's got a truth. And nowadays, that's the big term is, is this is my truth. It's not about your truth. It's about the truth. It's about his truth, right? There's one truth, and that truth is Jesus. And so, so the Holy Spirit is going to do something. He's going to guide me into all truth. He's going to lead me into all truth. So one thing that, that I want to help you with this is, is this. Truth will never partner. I mean, truth will always partner and align itself with the Word of God. Truth will always partner and align itself with the Word of God. And so you need to understand that today. Is what's being said or what's being done, is it aligned with God's Word? Or is it in contradiction to God's Word? So I don't care if somebody gets up here on the microphone and they, they present the most beautiful message you've ever heard. If it doesn't align itself with God's word, that's an easy discernment for me. The Holy Spirit can guide me away from that, right? Because he is always going to align himself with God's word. And the last one is this. He glorifies. He glorifies. John sixteen fourteen says, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. How do I know the difference between two things that look the same? He'll remind me, right? He'll remind me. He'll convict me. He'll guide me. But most importantly, he will always glorify Jesus. And so if I look at two things that look very similar and one of them is glorifying Jesus, but the other one is glorifying a man or it's glorifying an agenda or it's glorifying a doctrine or it's glorifying, you know, a desire, a sin, then I know right off the bat that one is wrong and the one that glorifies Jesus is right. I can't tell you how many times we've, we've uh, you know, seen different churches or, or, or preachers, you know, myself. Like one of the things I, I look at in preachers, I'm like, if, if what someone gets up and does talks more about themselves than they talk about Christ. Hey, John. Then I, I've got some concerns. Good morning, goodness of God. I've got right. some concerns. Just a second. I don't mean to just uh, talk about my wife's family a lot today. I didn't plan on doing that. Um, I always do it whenever her mom is here, I guess. But it just reminded me, one of the things that, that my father-in-law used to always tell me is, is he used to always say, whenever you give your testimony, your testimony right, should be more about what Jesus did in your life and less about the bad things just you did. Just course progression. Sorry. And sometimes what we do is, is, is you'll hear these testimonies, and I'm doing this as a testimony. I'm telling you my life. But we glorify all the sin that we did in our old life, and there's very little about the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. There's very little about repentance. There's very yes. little about life change. It's all about the past and very little about the future. It's very little about the present. The idea is this. If something is God... It's going to glorify Jesus. It's going to glorify Jesus. If it doesn't glorify Jesus, chances are it's not from God. And we need to be very careful with that. Now, I bring all this up. Why don't you stand up with me today? We're about to dismiss. I bring all this up today because I know that there's people in the church 
I know there's people in my life. I know there's people in our community today that are struggling trying to discern truth. They're trying to discern truth from a lie. They've been sold a bunch of lies and they're believing it and they're walking in those lies. And and therefore their life is going down the wrong path. Their life is in a struggle. Their, Their heart is in a struggle. Their mind is in a battle. Why? Because they keep following a lie instead of following the truth. Sometimes we follow the lies about ourselves. We follow the lie that that says that Jesus can never set us free from from our sin, that we can never, we're always going to be stuck. Sometimes we follow the lie that I'm always going to be the way I am and that God can't change me. Can I tell you something? Jesus can change anybody. He can transform anybody in this room. Jesus can set you free from anything that you're going through today. He can do that. Sometimes we get stuck in these lies of, of, you know, it's well, it's all about my truth and it's about what I want. Listen, that's a lie. It's not about us. It's always about him. It's always about him. And we have to learn how to discern, how to judge between two things that look the same. And I don't know about you, but I really need the Holy Spirit to not only guide me and not only protect me, but I need him to empower me. Empower me with that gift, the Bible calls it, that power, that ability of discernment of discernment i need it in my finances i need it when i'm planning my future i I need it when when it comes to dealing with my family i I need it when it comes to dealing with my own issues in life i need it when it comes to helping you with with any issues that you may have that you bring to me i need the gift of discernment and can i tell you you need the gift of discernment just like i do just like i do we all need that operating in our life so here's what we're going to do I'm going to pray for you this morning, and we're going to have some prayer team people. They're going to come down to the front, and then I'm going to dismiss. Like, we're not going to stay in here long. So if you want to, whenever I dismiss, if you want to go on outside and get your kids, and y'all go play and get Kona ice and hot dogs and all the things, I want you to do that. But, but if there's an issue going on in your life today, and you say, Gabriel, I really need somebody just to pray with me, then we're going to have our prayer team hang out for a few minutes right down on the front, And while everybody's leaving, if you need prayer for something, come on down to the front. Don't worry about your kids. My dad and and Cam are outside with them. Sorry. Sorry. Worry about your kids. My dad and Cam are outside with them. The Holy Spirit is a protector. So we're just believing, right? We're believing he's protecting them. But, But I think we need this today. I think we need this discernment. I really do. I, I really, I feel strong about this. I feel like there are specific people in the room. I feel like it's a general word for everybody, but I feel like there are specific people in the, in the room right now that you're going through something and, and you're being blinded to the truth. You're being blinded to the truth. Maybe you're blinded to the truth by your own desire. Maybe you're blinded to the truth by your own choice. Maybe the devil is just totally deceiving you. And you need God to give you some discernment this morning. That's, that's what I believe is, is true in this room. Let's close our eyes for a second. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you into our hearts. I thank you that in the, in the Old Testament, you operated as a cloud by right, day to, to guide. You operated Lord, you as a, a fire at night to protect. And you also moved even in the ark to be able to empower Israel. 
And I thank you that you bring those same qualities and those same characteristics into the New Testament because it's one book and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here today to guide us, to protect us, and to empower us. I thank you that you operate in a variety of gifts and a variety of abilities. But I thank you that for today, you operate in discernment and you can give us that ability. So I pray right now for anybody in the room whose eyes are deceived, whose heart is deceived, who thinks they're on the right path, but in reality, they're following the wrong car in the wrong direction. And today they need the truth to be exposed and revealed. I pray that you would convict us today. Convict us, God, of righteousness. Convict us of sin. Show us the areas where we're missing it. Show us the areas where we need to get it right. I pray that you would remind us of every verse that we've read, every place, that, every sermon that we've heard, God, things that, that we need today to reveal some truth to our hearts. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us. Guide us today. And most importantly, be glorified through us today. I pray that at the end of the day, if you reveal something to us, if, if discernment works through us today, that it's not so that we can be good. It's not so that we can be popular. It's not so that the name of the church can be lifted up or the name of the preacher can be lifted up. God, it's so that you can be exalted and lifted up, that you can get all the glory for what's going on in our lives today. So we invite you to do that work in us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask a couple of our prayer team people to come down to the front. I'm not sure if, if we've done that or not. If, but if we could, especially Gary and Sarah, could you guys come down to the front? I'll let y'all come on down. Um, I know there's some, I'm trying to pick out people that maybe don't have kids out there today. Uh, would you guys come down front, Jennifer? And, and here's all I'm going to do. While these guys are down front, I know some of you guys have kids. But if you need prayer for anything today, I want you to come down and let one of these guys pray with you. And if you need to go on and go today, I'm going to dismiss you. Thank you so much for being a part of this service today. Thank you for being a part of our church today. We're so thankful for you. And uh, I want you to be able to go have fun, enjoy your day. But if you need prayer, hang out for just a few minutes.